Welcome to the Harbinger of Fun podcast. We talk about what makes something fun, why it matters, and how to wield its mighty powers. Let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today, my special guest is Juliet P.A. Juliet, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So for, for you might have read the title of this podcast episode, but for the uninitiated, can you, uh, you know, describe what it is you do and, and what you're, I know you go by a few titles yes. <laughs> from what I've seen, but can yeah. you tell us what, what you do? Yeah, I have two main titles. One is your personal brand coach. That's my website, yourpersonalbrandcoach.com. So I do personal brand coaching. Imagine that. I like to help people who have some trouble getting out of their shell learn how special they are and pull out some stories that they can use to show up a little bit more personally online. And then I'm also a sales copywriter. That's what my background is. So I help clients who, once they get to a project like their website, if they need landing pages for a course or a membership that they're selling or launch emails, I help with that as well. Okay. Very, yeah, it's a wide, wide variety of things that you do. I'm interested in, in the, the personal brand, personal branding, personal brand coaching. First, before we sort of dive, deep dive into that, what, I guess, what got you into that field? And when did you realize that was like your calling? Yeah, that's a great question. It, I feel like was kind of an accidental theme that started my entrepreneurial journey. And in what I've been doing with copywriting, I just kind of realized that I was doing personal branding work in the copywriting I was doing. So I decided to make that my primary work. So my background is I got my degree in journalism. I've always loved writing, but journalism felt like the smart, practical thing to do. Learned that I didn't want to do the news. <laughs> That's not really my favorite thing. So I was looking for marketing jobs when I graduated college, but most of the marketing jobs I was getting were kind of like admin slash marketing, like companies, small businesses specifically would try to put those two things in one. So I would be answering the phone and maybe sending the newsletter or doing some admin duties, but making flyers. And it just wasn't to the level that I was wanting to use my creative skill sets. Then I got a job strictly in admin where I was an executive assistant for a really awesome company. It paid way better. So I was like, forget creative work, admin pays. So we'll do that. And then in one of my reviews, I got a comment that I didn't really have the executive presence that they were looking for. This was the type of company that I felt like my peers, especially men were wearing like vans and t-shirts and that was kind of fine. But if a client was coming in, everybody would like soldier up into suits and that's never really been my vibe, yeah. but they presented it really kindly and said, like, maybe consider like developing a personal brand. Like if you don't want to wear, you know, a black suit, wear a pink suit, like, you know, whatever it is, just, just work on that. So I took that feedback. I don't think I did what they thought I was going to do with it because <laughs> what I ended up doing was I read the book Reinventing You by Dory Clark. And she really talks about like, if you are feeling like you want something different out of your career and you're not sure you feel like you're not fitting in where you are, try to find where you can fit in and start developing your personal brand to then go in that direction. So that's what I did. I thought, okay, admin's not for me. I think I'm going to start working creatively. And that was kind of the very beginning of my interest in personal branding. 
That's funny. So you really ran with that feedback. Yeah, I think I ran the other direction, but I did run with it. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, uh, I guess, you know, <clears throat> um, I guess the first question is, why is, why is it important for people? Because I'm sure you talk to a lot of clients who have trouble with in this specific area, but why is it important to develop a personal brand for yourself? Yeah, it's important because for one, everyone already has one. So we are all people, we all have personalities. The branding part is just how we show up online. So when you have a face-to-face conversation with somebody and they're really personable, they're really fun, but then everything that they're posting online is really dry, kind of creates a disconnect to where you don't feel connected to that person. So even though they have a skill set that you might be interested in, you don't feel connected to them as a person to hire them. You don't really get to know them. A lot of the clients that I work with are worried about sounding legitimate, especially if they're a small business owner or a solopreneur. So they will kind of put this smoke and mirrors, like agency or firm veil in front of them. And they'll be like, we do this at this company. But then every client that they work with only sees them face to face. And it's kind of like, people can smell that this is not accurate. Like we can tell when you're saying, you know, quote unquote, we do all of this and it's really just you like we can we can tell that there's a disconnect there whereas when people embrace that hey this is what i do when they make it more personal talking about maybe why it's important to them maybe they started their business after they had kids they wanted a more flexible schedule whatever their personal connection is to their story and their business people connect with that a lot of it is sometimes shared values and so they want to work with that person based on those personal traits not just the skill sets that they have that's so interesting. I guess the first note is that at the end of this podcast, it says, check out our book, Blueprint for Fun, but it's just me. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I guess I do that too. But, and yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, I think that is that is sort of like a a relic of the way business used to be done. You know, if you grew up yeah. like in the 90s or something, it's always like big companies do big things. but but. But also, yeah, like it's kind of, it's funny because like the first rule of what makes something fun is you need to resonate with people. And mm-hmm. if you don't resonate, there's no point in doing anything else after that. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of funny that the first thing you do is, and, and actually the best way to resonate is to be true to yourself or your product or whatever it is, because those imperfections may hit, hit again, I need a thesaurus, but it may resonate with something and someone else where they're like, oh yeah, I have that weird quirk or or problem or whatever. And then they, that's your audience, you know? Yes. That's interesting. Yes, it's so true. I think that people also start to hate their business when they feel like they have to be some type of like fake corporate version of themselves. I feel like people get a lot better clients when they're expressing just like, hey, here's who I am. If you like it, let's work together. And then they're going to find more like-minded people because they're sharing their story. That and that's that's also a little ironic because I know a lot of really great artists and writers and and you know things like that who online you would not know how creative and unique they are. Yeah. <laughs> but when you see their work, you're like, oh, this is amazing. So yeah, that that is a real problem. Yeah, I yeah, I feel like. If you, especially as a creative, like that's what I feel like was driving me behind. I feel like it sounds so entitled to be like, I don't want to wear a blazer. But as a creative, I just, I don't want to be boxed in. And that's what that even just type of clothing gives me the feeling of. And so if I were to 
have to wear a blazer every day and and meet with clients that were also kind of in that type of mindset that like you're only professional if you're wearing a blazer or if you don't have any piercings or no tattoos or like no crazy hair. And I mean, I don't even have half those things, but that's how I am in my head. <laughs> I just feel <laughs> like I I would just get so tired of it. I would feel like I have to fake who I am. And I my husband used to laugh because we do have we have like a internal camera in our house in our living room to like watch our dogs if we want to and he said one time he was like you change your shirt like four times a day and I was like I know but I'm trying to like go with who who the audience is and who my client is and then I just decided you know forget it I'll show up to a networking event in ripped jeans and I'm pretty sure more people are remembering me as somebody who stood out wearing ripped jeans to a networking event instead of somebody wearing you know the same beige blazer as everybody else it's funny because that's also how I found you as well my fiance has been, you know, she's always told me like, you need to find a copywriter, you need to find people to help with your brand. And so I, so I've been casually looking, but there was something about your site because it was so well branded. Like I knew who you were right away. Yeah. And it wasn't after that. It wasn't until after that I found out like all the stuff that you do. And I was like, oh, wow. So that, I guess that like you are like a case study oh, in your perfect. own. Yeah. I should be my own case study. I love that. I'm glad to yeah, hear that. It's, it's effective. Yeah. Have you, I guess, what is the, do you, is there like a common obstacle that people have when they're, when they, when they come to you? Is there, is there a common problem that they have like overcoming or is it all unique? No, the most common problem that they have is that confidence and honestly the permission to be autonomous because the people that I work with, they own their own business, but they're still in kind of that corporate mindset of like, well, if I start posting, you know, my sense of humor on LinkedIn, what is my old boss going to think? They're, they're very self-conscious. And so I just, I like, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, but some of it is taking them through, uh, it's, it's called my icon assessment. And I pull out these little questions that, I mean, I get into like, you know, what were their favorite things to do as a kid? How did they get into the work that they're doing now? I ask them about their clients and and those type of things, and especially their approach. What is their approach to the work that they do? And I just pull out fun things like, did you have a crazy nickname as a kid? Or tell me about a time that you were disappointed. And when they go through that assessment, I think they're really reminded about how unique they are. And it gives them a lot of talking points to then start sharing on LinkedIn because they also just get writer's block thinking like, well, what am I supposed to say? But it's kind of like a muscle. Like once you start using it, once you start being more vulnerable and sharing more things online and you see how much other people relate to it then it becomes easier to do it and it becomes more natural and then they see the benefit of people engaging and being like oh i think that too even if it's something just as simple as being annoyed that they got stuck in traffic or that their daughter started learning how to drive like just different small personal stories that people think are completely unrelated to business that people connect to more and they they get excited about it so but at the very beginning it's very much self-conscious mindset or that you know it's unprofessional to share personal things Um, but once they start doing it they're like oh this is nice enjoy the freedom to be able to say whatever i want to that's that's so interesting I, i wonder if the issue is that we we have like a north star that you follow whether it's an idol or a lifestyle or whatever, and all the stuff that falls outside of that, you sort of dismiss yeah. um, and in an attempt to kind of be perfect, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because like, I love that exercise of talking about your failures because I almost never bring this up, but like I have like a failed Kickstarter 
but I had like a bunch of really top wrestlers who are like now very popular in it. And it was a wrestling game and there's a bunch of people, I signed a bunch of people to like contracts and it was like actually really interesting that it it failed. Like the story of it failing is actually the best part of it. So, but I never embraced that. It's sort of like, oh, that didn't work. And I keep moving, but never acknowledging it. That's kind of funny. So when you're, so, so when somebody, okay, so we have that, I think this might actually map out to, to the steps of what makes something fun. So, so first you resonate with someone. And so now they have, they have a defined persona that, that people can get behind or, 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 or that's noticeable. How, how does that person then engage with their audience? How do you keep that person? How do they keep their audience around or, 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 or is that something that you go into as well? It's a two-way street. So one is sharing personal stories, wherever it may be, their social media channel of, of choice. The next is for them to seek out people that they enjoy speaking with too and commenting on their stuff. So on LinkedIn, if like for me, sometimes I'll just put in the search bar like coaching and I'll find other other coaches who are talking about stuff that I would totally nerd about. I used to do it with personal branding, but then I found out that I disagree with a lot of other personal brand experts. So when I go that route, then I'm like, I don't know if this is a good engaging conversation, but whatever I nerd out about that, I'll look for that on LinkedIn and I'll kind of just see who I can make friends with there. People can also do that on Instagram. You can search stuff that you like and and start finding those people you want to engage with. Hopefully they engage back, but if not, you just kind of are creating the environment that you want, because I feel like on social media, it's so easy to kind of like throw spaghetti at a wall or just put it out there and hope that it gets traction, but you also have to engage. The step further of that though, is to kind of build your own campfire and have your own place where people are going to come to you for just you. So for you, I think it's probably your podcast, maybe a couple other channels. For me, it's my email list. I send out an email every single Monday and the people that are on my list love my emails. And that's somewhere where like, I'm always capturing their attention because it's going to go straight to their inbox. Whereas on social media, I'm relying on an algorithm. And that's something I help my clients with is a lot of them will start an email list because if any of these social media channels go down, (laughs) we know that sometimes they break or things change in algorithms, then you haven't, you don't have your community close with you. Some people make Facebook groups and that's where they have their community. But I suggest that everybody has a place where their people can kind of sit around the campfire and, and share stories. Okay. That's interesting. I, it's funny because community has never been top of mind for me at all. It's always, it's always like, um, like I'm selling a product, but I'm not selling a product. So yeah. It's a one-off. So, okay. That's weird. That puts things in perspective for me. Okay. So you have a community that, that you engage with. I'm, I'm interested in when you, when you're putting yourself out there and you want these, you want people to be like unique. Is there, is there a balance of like, so this is, this is, this is so like equating this to what I know about what makes a product fun is usually you want to go out on a limb and take a risk on something. Like, for example, I don't think there is another uh, car- book like Where's Waldo before Will's- Where's Waldo came out. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like a huge hit at the time. You know, it was the first of its kind. And but you couldn't really repeat that because then you'd just be copying Where's Waldo. Angry Birds was the first to really utilize how mobile the 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 nature of the mobile platform in an engaging uh, intuitive way for new users versus trying to port over games to a mobile platform existing games to a mobile platform and so now they're like forever the mobile game so i guess when it comes to making your own brand 
where is there any kind of, uh, I guess, philosophy on where to stand out, but also where to like, you might come off as too weird or, mm -hmm. or like resonate with no one and just ostracize yourself. Yeah. I think there's two kind of strong avenues for a personal brand. One is just sharing like the lifestyle stories. Like, you know, today I was getting my kids ready for school and et cetera. The other one is a lot more strong opinion, which is like any event that happens, someone's going to have a strong op opinion on that might be political. It might just be trending topics. Like, I don't know if you saw this is a while ago. Well, well, I'll give an example. So everybody in the copywriting world is talking about chat G GPT. I didn't talk about it for a long time. I decided to have an opinion on it. That was a trending topic that was relevant and people appreciated my opinion on it. That being said, there was also something that went on, went viral on LinkedIn where a CEO posted crying selfie because he just had to let go a lot of his staff. And yeah. that was another one that everyone had an opinion on. It was either like, whoa, we're totally celebrating this guy. He was transparent about, you know, it's still hard to be at the top. And then other people that were like, this is crazy manipulative that he's sharing this. This is disgusting. Uh, some people love to kind of like get on the bandwagon of strong opinion posts like that. And their audience seems to like it. I'm not quite that risky just because I don't feel like it's relevant enough for me. And I think everyone has their own personal comfortability with risk. So I'm not one to say that you must bare your soul on the internet <laughs> to establish a personal brand, but I do encourage people to have some opinion on things that are relevant to their world. But those are kind of the two main avenues is either just little personal things, personal stories that are, are lifestyle based, or I'm going to have a strong opinion on everything in the world. But I think there is, I mean, we do live in the area of cancel culture. So that is always kind of a disclaimer. Like, are you willing to be canceled for your strong opinions that you want to risk uh -huh. putting out there? Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think that it serves anybody to be completely vanilla and never take a stance on anything. Yeah, that's very interesting. I yeah, that's like, I guess that, that is the, that is the hard part is that, you know, if you're, if you're, I, there, what's that quote? Like if nobody is arguing against you or hating against you, then you've said nothing interesting or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah, especially, but also because it's business and I think business always comes with a side of um, professionalism or a side of like being diplomatic. So that, I guess that doesn't really change. That that is so, so interesting because if it's a personal brand, it's supposed to be representing you, but it's also personal brand for business. Yes, yes. So I think the thing is though that people get stuck in the expectation of like, is my client going to take me seriously if I'm not, you know, presenting in a certain way? And I, my like hope for the world would be that more people would be able to embrace the autonomy to say if you don't want to work with me because of something completely arbitrary like my hair color or or something like that then then that's not a client that would be a good fit. Everyone again has their own comfortability as far as that's concerned, but I think people love their businesses more when they're working with people that are more in line with them. So chat GPT is an example. If I have a client who's like no AI is taking over that's what I really want to use. I'm going to be like, okay, well then you don't see the value in my work anyway. So we're probably not a great fit. Whereas if someone is like, hey, if you experiment with AI, great, that's cool. Otherwise, I just want great copy that sounds like me at the end of the day, then that's a different conversation that's a little bit softer. Or someone that's just like, hey, the robots freak me out. Can you just write like me? <laughs> then I can step in and agree with that too. So I mm -hmm. think it's almost in a way just like a 
is somebody a jerk meter sometimes? And when you are a little bit more honest about your values, you don't have to be, you don't have to put yourself in that uncomfortable situation of knowing if somebody shares your values or not, because they most likely, if they really don't share their values and you've put them out there, they're not going to be pursuing you. Right. That's a good point. And, and I'm sure you've had these, these clients before, but I've had clients where in retrospect, I mean, I learned a lot of good lessons from it, but I would not have them as clients again. Like it's not yeah. worth. Yeah. <laughs> or I would have charged double or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel like everyone running a business, running a business is hard enough. The more you can put your soul into it and feel, I know we hate the word authentic. It's like so overused, but to be authentic in our lives and in our businesses, I think is just so much more fulfilling than running a business where we feel like we have to meet everybody else's expectations. Yeah, totally. That's, that's a good way to summarize it. Do you find, because I feel like, you know, what you're doing is it is unique in a lot of ways, but you're also helping bring out what's unique in other people and their skills and experiences. Uh, have you found that, that this, through this exercise, it actually opens up new, you know, roads to revenue because there's like such a unique market or person that it's like, oh, this is this totally new service that we didn't even think about. Yeah, I think it's really complimentary to the copywriting work that I'm already doing. It's almost a good prerequisite in a way, because if I'm coaching with someone who isn't really confident in what they're doing yet, then they are not ready to make the investment for like a website because that's a very personal project. So if I can start with maybe like their founder story or their LinkedIn profile and add some coaching like into that package and work with them to kind of get the gears moving and and being more confident online, I would much rather start there than have them invest in a big project and still feel self-conscious and still not be sure if they should say, you know, we are a big agency or hi, I'm so-and-so. Like I would, I would rather them figure that out first. So I found that to be really helpful. I feel like I have very clear audiences in each of those services. Like my personal brand coaching is for those people who need help getting out of their shell. Whereas my copywriting is more geared toward people who already have a strong voice. They just don't want to be doing the big project themselves. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, what Now I'm just asking for myself. Yeah. <laughs> so that second one. So they don't want to be doing the big projects by yourselves. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. So a website is a big undertaking. So there are some people who are LinkedIn warriors. They can share every single thought that they've ever had. and they just kind of put it out there for everybody to see. But then when it comes to their website, they're like, okay, well, what makes a good homepage or what makes a good mm -hmm. about us section? And how do we package our services? Because some people, they have great services. Like if I work with a life coach who has amazing testimonials and they're really strong in their approach, but their services page is basically like, you get four Zoom calls with me. Like that does not say a lot, <laughs> but they're mm -hmm. so close to the work that they do every day that they aren't really sure how to like step back and write about it from a strategic copywriting perspective. So that's where I can come in and say, you know, don't worry about it. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions and then I'm going to write all the pages and then it's going to be done. And they're like, thank you, because they don't want to be copywriters. They want to be life coaches. They just want to do the work that they enjoy doing. And they're, they don't have the, the, the experience that I do to, for me, it's like an easy and fun project, but for them, it's like, they're staring at their Google Doc thinking like, why can I post so much on 
LinkedIn or share so much on Instagram. But then when it comes to like writing my website, I don't know where to, what to do. So that's where I help with that. I see. Yeah. And it's funny because I forgot where this was coined, but some people call it the curse of knowledge where you yes. know so much about your industry or whatever, but you're at this operating at this level and you actually have no idea how to introduce a new person yeah. to that because you're just like in it so much. Yes. That is the perfect way to say it. That's the perfect way to say it. Or you can get somebody on a sales call and they can tell you how it is. But like when they sit down to write it, they just don't know how to write it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so interesting. So, so you offer basically helping people come out of their shell and define themselves and figure out what's unique about them, which would, I guess it's also, it's another version of curse of knowledge is that you're so used mm -hmm. to being you, you actually don't know how you're unique. Exactly. Else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. and then also, yeah, and then also figuring out how to communicate this to 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 their users. That's that's super that's cool. It. I'm uh, like, I should have well, you write my next website and tell people. You should tell my clients <laughs> if you have the curse of knowledge, you need Juliet. I like it. <laughs> I like that. You could really turn that into a character or something like the curse of knowledge. Yeah, like that's the villain. That's the villain. Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I'm. You have my wheels turning now. <laughs> That's awesome. So where can people find you online? So they can find me on my website. I think I've talked about LinkedIn enough too. My website is yourpersonalbrandcoach.com. And if somebody wants to kind of test how personal their personal brand really is, I have a quiz on there. That's really fun. There's a take the quiz page so they can find that. And then I'm on LinkedIn just by my name, Juliet PA. And I'm on there all the time. I'm on other platforms, but I rarely post. And so if somebody went there, it would be a ghost town. So yeah, LinkedIn and, and my website. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, I encourage you to to visit Julia PA. Uh, I, I've had a lot of fun discussing this. <laughs> I could talk about yeah. this all day. Is there is there any other last notes or questions or words of wisdom you have? Oh, words of wisdom. I'll, I'll touch on this a little bit. So one of the catchphrases that I kind of have is like to unfrankenstein your brand because a lot of sales and marketing is everything about what your audience wants. And it's not about taking that part away, but when people kind of pull all these little things from their audience and create like a fake version of themselves for what they think their audience wants, again, I think that's where that just that expectation comes into. And so I talk about unfrankensigning your brand and working with clients that like you for who you are. So I'll just leave with that. But it's been really fun to be here. And I'm glad that you had me. Yeah, this is great. I'd love to have you on again. Whenever yeah, you're free. I would love that. That'd be great. This is great. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks Julia. so much. Absolutely. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about this show, including where you can find our book, Blueprint for Fun, you can visit us at harbingeroffun.com. See you next episode. Yeah.